in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Hello, I'm Gabby Dunn, and this is Bad With Money, a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. I am in New York right now because my partner's sister had a baby, so that's where I'm rocking and rolling to you from. I don't know why I turn into a radio DJ as soon as the mic is on. (laughs) Just uh, Gabby on the ones and twos. Okay, so... This week, we are going to be talking about the mysterious and unexplained Wall Street crash of 1987. Uh, We've been doing these episodes that are breakdowns and takedowns of money media. um, And I wanted to talk to our guest journalist, Cerise Castle, all about the TV show Black Monday, which is a show on Showtime that ran for a few seasons, I think three seasons. uh, And it is about a black owned investment group that is working on Wall Street in the late 1980s. um, And it's based around the real life crash of the global market in 1987. As I say in this discussion with Cerise, we tend to think of the 1980s as a very prosperous time for the stock market. Um, But actually, there is a very little known, little talked about crash that happened in 87. And it really affected not just the US, although 
Uh, it affected the U.S. less than the larger global markets. Um, and some countries have never recovered from it. There is, to this day, no succinct explanation for what happened. So Cerise and I are going to get into some theories. We're going to get into how the crash is portrayed in the show Black Monday. We're going to get into how women and Black people are portrayed in the show and what their real experiences were like on Wall Street during the time. Cerise and I are also going to get into some stuff you absolutely should know about in terms of our history and the history of money, including Freeway Rick Ross and the crack epidemic and Gary Webb's reporting on all of that. Also, we're going to be talking about the Iran-Contra affair, uh, the war on drugs, and everything that was going down at the time around this market crash. We'll get into some theories as to why it happened, and we'll talk about the long-term repercussions. So if you've never heard of the 1987 Wall Street and global market crash, buckle up because Cerise and I are going to get into it. We're also going to talk about the show Black Monday and what it must have been like to be any kind of marginalized person on Wall Street in the 80s. Enjoy! Why don't I let my guest uh, introduce herself uh, for this week? Who are you and what do you do? Hi, my name is Cerise Castle. I am the host of the podcast A Tradition of Violence from iHeartMedia, which is all about deputy gangs in the sheriff's department. Uh, I specialize in police accountability reporting and I do other investigative work as well. And I'm also a friend of yours. And the winner today <laughs> of an award... What award did you win this very day? I am. This is this is the first award I've ever won beyond like reading awards that I got when I was like a child. <laughs> um, I won the Courage Award, which is um, given out by the International Women in Media Foundation. Um, and it is it's a great award. It's given to courageous women. And I guess I guess hey! I'm one of them. <laughs> Congratulations! Thank you so much. Well, I'm glad you had the courage to come here to Bad With Money yet again. Um, <laughs> and I want to talk about the show Black Monday. And I asked you and you said that you love that show. So what is the premise and why? Uh, and then why did you start watching it? So the premise of Black Monday is the investigating the cause of Black Monday, which was a event in the, I believe it was the Dow mm -hmm. Jones Industrial. D-I-G-A, yeah, Dow Industrial Jones, yeah. One of the stock market areas. I should know this. I used to be a financial <laughs> reporter. <laughs> one of the stock, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, one of the, the ways in which we view the stock market. Exactly, exactly. So what happened on Black Monday is that it suffered this tremendous loss, um, I believe the biggest in a yes. single day um, in history up to that point. Um, and it reverberated around the world. We did not have it the worst um, in the United States um, market. The worst, I believe, was in Hong Kong, which saw a loss of over 45%. Um, here in the United States, it was around 22%. Um, but you can, you, can, you can fact check me on that. I, I don't know. That's kind of just off dome. I, look, I did a lot of reading. <laughs> this is one of those things where I did a lot of reading about it. Uh, it occurred uh, October 19th, 1987. So we're in the 80s right now. And I still didn't 100% understand what was happening. Um, I know, yeah, Japan, Hong Kong, and New Zealand got it the worst um, and, are still, and are still trying to recover from this. So globally, 
23 major world markets dropped that same week, basically. And it was like a huge. The, the worldwide losses were estimated at 1.7 trillion. And it basically showed everyone that there was like huge volatility in the market that they hadn't anticipated prior to that. And and from what I understand, what happened was there was like a huge sale happening over the weekend and people started to like sell a lot of their shares. And then by the time the market opened on Monday, all the sales had like gone through and so it was all happening at once. And so there were no cash reserves available by the time the market opened. So like basically the stock market works in a way that like is fake money a lot of the time. <laughs> and it's not built for everyone wanting to like pull their money at once because it's fake. So there was just this like thing where everyone was like, I would like my money. And they were like, oh, we don't have that. So people had to like call on like the telephone, actual, like landline telephone and talk to an actual yes. broker. They didn't have digital mm -hmm. anything at this point in time. So I did a little reading myself and a lot of people I read could not get through, which just compounded the loss. Yeah. And also, I think like digitally, they would be able to maybe put a stopgap. But because it's just people calling, there's like no ability to to be like get in touch with each other or say, hey, actually, this other guy sold this or which kind of comes up in the pilot of Black Monday, which I watched the pilot and then I got so into it that I watched episode two. And then my Mal sat down, my partner, and wanted to watch it as well because it's incredibly engaging. Great show. Great show. So what made you want to start watching it, as I said? I wanted to start watching Black Monday because it was a show about a topic that I really didn't know much about. I find that I tend to prefer number one documentaries mm -hmm. those are my favorite two shows that are based on documentaries or stories that we've read in the news so those sort of like rip from the headlines maybe the type of stuff that was like popularized on Lifetime at one time and now mm -hmm. we can see on the Hulus and the Netflixes of the world and I also really like fictional stuff that is based on real events mm -hmm. so shows like Snowfall that is based on the story of Freeway Rick Ross the reporting of Gary Webb a journalist that is one of my idols um, I really like this show because because it was based around um, Black Monday, mm -hmm. which is a financial event that I had heard about um, in my prior life as a finance reporter, but I didn't really engage with much, didn't really understand. Um, while I did work in finance reporting, I never really had a good handle on the stock market, um, which... Uh... <laughs> no, I, it's one of the hardest things. I mean... Uh, it's one of the hardest things to comprehend, definitely, for me, as I've been doing this show, you know, for for six years. And so, like, I still, I, I, I read things over and over again, and more so so that our audience doesn't have to, and I can come here and distill it. Uh, but sometimes, stuff like this, I, I am still a little unclear, 
So, and also, you know, what's interesting is we hear so much about the Great Depression in 1933. Like, we hear about the stock market crash in 1929. And then we hear so much about the 2008 recession. And until I saw that this was going to be a show, I had never heard of Black Monday. I had no idea that the stock market crashed in 87. Largely because I was, I view the 80s as a time of prosperity. Everybody sort of always talks about the 80s as being like, everyone was making tons of money and you know the the movie wall street with michael douglas like that's what i'm thinking about i'm not thinking about you know that there was a crash in 87 which is not even i mean there was still two years left in the 80s uh, that they were picking up the pieces from this. You also, in America, don't particularly learn about things that have happened to other countries. So that might also be part of it in that it, it happened um, globally and it also took out like the stock markets in Japan, Hong Kong, and New Zealand, where, you know, if it didn't happen the worst in America, we don't care to teach it to anyone. <laughs> like, I think maybe that's part of it. But also I find this interesting because and I don't know any spoilers. So the the show opens with them saying this is this is how Black Monday happened and we had never previously known how it happened. And then it leads us into Don Cheadle's character, Maurice Monroe. And then it leads us into this like black run fund. And so do you know if that is is that true? No. no um so what i understand about the show is that like it's it's completely fictional and a lot of the things that are at play in the show speak to larger trends in the stock market and volatile practices that we can still see today which i really like about the show and there there are names that you will recognize in the show from real life like the lehman brothers um for example you know i don't think that they were in incestual um, identical twins as they are on Black Monday. Um, But, you know, it's based, some of the stuff that happens on the show is based, in fact. Um, There is a company that is sort of the subject of the first season, Georgina Jeans. That company is fictional, but when the Lehman Brothers are sort of recounting the history of the company, they say, okay, well, this used to be a Dutch slave trading company here in New York that started making pants for enslaved people in the 18th century. When slavery was outlawed, they continued to produce those pants because they were so fashionable. That <laughs> seems like something literally ripped from the headlines. I mean, you could you could tell that story about so many companies, yes. right, um, that still exist today. Yes. So I think that it is a really great way to feed you this information through this fictionalized, I didn't know if it was fictionalized, but like fictionalized in the sense that like this specific situation is, but that is how the floor ran. That is how women were treated. That is how men treated each other. That is the amount of drugs they were doing. That is the way that we're learning about how the trades are set up and the way that we're learning about how people took advantage of like packaging funds together to give people stocks that were tanking or to hide uh, stocks that were like, you know, weren't, it was so easy to mistakenly buy something for a million dollars. You gotta offload it onto this person. Um, And it gives you sort of the anxiety. We talked uh, earlier on this show about the big short. And it's that sort of anxiety where it's like people are like hiding more dust under the rug, hiding more dust under the rug. And eventually the rug is going to have a bump in it. And eventually we're going to, the dust will come out. So um, it's this very interesting way of showing you 
how this stuff is happening and how people how what the way it ran back then which honestly maybe hasn't even changed that much and with knowing that crisis is coming but I had not even truly not even heard of of any of this um until I was like looking into things that I could that I could use to learn about the stock market in the 80s and this is like one of the only negative portrayals of it that I've really seen (laughs) that isn't um like fully glorifying some white guy totally quick math the less your business spends on operations on multiple systems on delivering your product or service the more margin you have and the more money you keep but with higher expenses on materials employees distribution and borrowing everything costs more so to reduce costs and headaches smart businesses are graduating to netsuite by oracle NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Everything is more expensive these days when you're running a business and you would be wise to find proven ways to cut costs and boost performance at the same time. The fact that you are able to reduce your IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud is incredible. And the ability to access your cloud financial system from anywhere saves you so much time and stress. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. Shout out to Claridon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. You guys know that I have had allergies for forever. I've had seasonal allergies since I was a kid. It causes pressure in my face, under my eyes. They're my ultimate handbrake. When my nose is plugged up, I feel like I can't do anything. I can't enjoy food because I can't taste it. I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even host the show because my voice sounds like a duck. And listen... I am already dealing with vocal strain from testosterone and my voice dropping. I don't need any more problems with allergies. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for allergies like probably for the last 10 years or something, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go outside without my eyes watering like a fountain. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped in my throat. I get really embarrassed when I'm sneezing all the time. I have like an itchy nose or throat, like ugh, like just the, the itchiness in the back of your sinuses is like so distracting and so annoying. And I get like pressure in my ears too. It's really painful. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a new candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. It would be so much easier if I was looking for someone to help me with sweetening audio or let's say someone to run my merch shop or all the little things that go into running a podcast. Usually something like that would be so slow and overwhelming. And honestly, I wish I had used Indeed and I will use Indeed in the future. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, I think it's such an honest portrayal. You know, you have those scenes with um, Dawn, Mm -hmm. I believe her name is, in this. Um, She is a black woman working in Wall Street in the 80s, which was, you know, no easy feat. She's the only one that we see. Yeah, she's the only one we see. Later on in the season, we sort of learn more about her story and how she deals with that um emotionally and that's just like not that's not something that we ever really see um when we're talking about this stuff blair has i mean he's a straight white guy Mm -hmm. uh, but he has sort of an interesting journey of his own that he goes on that you don't really see coming and sort of plays to other you know huge um social cultural health events that were going on Mm -hmm. in the late 80s um this show speaks to the aids crisis Mm -hmm. um this show speaks to structural racism in a lot of ways and it even looks back in history um it touches on the black panthers at one point it it really talks about a lot of interesting things um in a context that we don't usually see them in in a really honest way which i really appreciate and it's a comedy oh um, yeah you can you can laugh at it it's a funny show it's engaging it's a great show i recommend it to everyone yeah we're gonna go through the pilot but i would say that it's some of the comedy is very edgy and i was dying laughing and mal my (laughs) partner was like why is this exactly your sense of humor like just like so um i don't know and then i was like wow i really would have thrived writing in the 80s um which is a horrible thing to think about Okay, so the pilot is uh, basically it opens with, you know, this information about uh, October 19th, 1987, stock market crash. There's like a really fun little shot of these punks writing Yuppies Lost, uh, (laughs) spray painting it as like a stock market, stockbrokers like crying. Um, Balding white dude in a suit just sobbing papers that was everywhere uh, <laughs> then somebody jumps to their death and dies on top of this big uh red fancy car that we later learn is a limbo lambo limo lambo yes called the limbo yes um and they're wearing a fancy pin and you the pin later travels throughout the pilot so we're kind of always tracking who who is gonna die and now we're a year before the crash 
and the pilot's called 365. So we're on the 365th day before the crash. We're introduced to Don Cheadle, who goes by Mo. He's Maurice Monroe. We also get an incredible shot of Regina Hall, who is smoking while doing aerobics. Which is the 80s, most baby. 80s shot. I loved it <laughs> so much. And we also meet uh, Andrew Rannells, and he's off to uh, big job interviews on Wall Street. His wife, or girlfriend at the time, girlfriend, gives him a pin, and we think, oh, uh, that, that he's going to be the one who kills himself because the pin is like her earring. Um, so then we go back to Maurice, and he lives in just excess, robot butler, everything. Andrew Rannells and Kyle. his girlfriend live in a shit <laughs> apartment. He is handing money to a sex worker. Uh, I wrote down that he says, tell page six, I knocked the glaze off that donut. First of many <laughs> food innuendos around sex from Mr. Maurice Monroe. <laughs> I was like surprised that a black man had that much power and that much money. So that stuck out to me. Maurice Monroe is not based on a real person. Um, and Don Cheadle's given many interviews talking about how uh, as the self-made founder of this Wall Street firm of underdogs, it's not a real person. The Jammer Group. The Jammer Group. It's not a real person. Yeah. Andrew Rannell's character is not real. Regina Hall's character is not real. Um, a lot of it is like based on a true story like you said but these specific characters are not real but that's not to say that you know these people in some like capacity did not exist right like yes. was there a black woman working on wall street probably i'm sure don Cheadle said he thinks that these characters quote wouldn't have existed in the way they exist on this show all together under one roof in a trading house on wall street so that makes sense there's agree <laughs> Yasser Lester's there playing um, a person from the Middle East. There's a Latino guy. There's, spoiler alert, a queer guy. Closeted, though. There are There is a, a, a sort of like um, Avengers of diversity for this one Wall Street firm, I think, to show us these people who probably would have been sprinkled throughout different firms at the time. 100%. Um, and it's probably people whose stories we don't get to hear. But so this, yes. it's this fun, so I guess it is like really sort of escapist fun to see Don Cheadle be so powerful and everyone be so scared of him. Definitely. And do you think, I mean, it? do you think that it plays on like the nouveau riche of it all? Because I think the Lehman Brothers are so drab and so like old money. And then I always found it, interesting to compare what they look like on the show versus um don Cheadle's sort of like ostentatiousness hmm i hadn't thought about it like that old money people uh wear just like beige you know what i mean yeah i mean i could definitely see that i mean like the way the lehman brothers are lit it's always very like dark and like kind of like you're walking into some sort of like crypt mm -hmm. when you're going into their office the Jammer Group, though, I will say the way that it shot, at least in the pilot, it's very fresh in my mind. I watched it like three times <laughs> before this. It's lit with these like really like harsh fluorescence mm -hmm. that gives me a lot of like nervous, anxious energy. And I think that's very much like the Jammer Group. Like these are these people that, you know, like for the most part 
have been, these are the leftovers for all the other firms. Like they're not Ivy League white guys who have generations of fathers that have been in this business. These are the guys nobody wanted. And they're trying to make a name for themselves. They are the underdogs of the stock of the New York Stock Exchange. And you get a lot of that in the lighting. Everyone's sort of like running around. Everyone's talking fast. Everyone's trying to, you know, do something, make, make some sort of deal, like come off as like the smartest. They definitely, to me, they appear very confident, but behind all that, it's, it's very helpful skelter yes so then he tears into his office and we see also uh regina hall dealing with sexism from uh paul Shear's character keith and she gives it right back to him and uh, attempts to titty fuck him which uh i thought was a really interesting character moment of like we are expecting yes. her to be this um put upon underdog like uh, sexually harassed woman that we've seen in the 80s that that's been portrayed in Wolf of Wall Street um, but this is like her just giving it right back and like understanding the culture I, I love that so much about Dawn and there's a montage that we see of them going to work in the opening of this and you know the men are just sort of you know making their way uh, sort of the energy of the men in these scenes is like the world is my oyster I'm easily making my way through the New York streets and Dawn we see her she's shot the camera is above her so she's like one of many in these huddled masses and she's the only woman in this sea of men and every everything is very brightly lit and they're all just sort of you know moving like ants through this hallway and she's being catcalled Mm -hmm. the entire way and she flips them off Mm -hmm. and I love that and immediately she's called a dyke Mm -hmm. and she just keeps walking with her finger in the air I love that so much I think that that really shows you in that moment like okay like this is who this woman is like she's not taking shit from anybody and like you can try to fuck with her, but she's immovable. Yeah. And she's funnier. She was funnier than him in that moment. And she's yeah. funny the whole time. Like, I wrote down lines that I liked. Like, I loved when Don Cheadle was like, I was born in a toilet and I was dropped at a church. And she's like, church is chicken. Like, she's quick, you know? Yes. Um. So then he comes in. He says, number 11 trading firm on the block. Uh, everyone's like, oh, nice. And then he's like, not nice, actually. We should be number one. He talks so fast, which again is like cocaine, but he is just talking so quickly and his moods change. He's very mercurial. He's very like unpredictable. He kind of makes you nervous watching him. I think sometimes I'm nervous like watching him because I'm like, he has so much bravado and confidence for this time period. Like I keep waiting for something bad to happen. I kind of want something bad to happen because like I I don't really love his character either. Like the only person in this show I like genuinely like is Dawn. Mm -hmm. Um, The men in this show, like they have their moments where they're well-intentioned but they're all like they're just like very much like stereotypical like machismo Mm -hmm. like 1980s like asshole Mm -hmm. and I I kind of enjoy watching that um, because that's uh, that's sort of like the idea that I have in my head of what it was of what the experience would have been like in the 80s like had I been there and like this is what I've heard from my elders Mm -hmm. so it's I like seeing it portrayed because it, it gives me an understanding of just how difficult things were one other line i very much enjoyed is he says he's going to put the brother in lehman brothers when he goes off to see the lehman brothers they give him a bunch of cocaine as a birthday present the the people uh at the firm it's his birthday 
Andrew Rannells is lost. He's a nerd. He's trying to interview oh. Morgan Stanley. Another thing that happens in this scene is that while they're in the office, is Regina warns Mo about this plan he has to put the brother in Lehman Brothers. And she basically tells him that this is a bad idea. Yeah. And he ignores her. Yeah. And he leaves. <laughs> yeah. He wants to go buy Georgina jeans. She is like, that is stupid. That is a bad stock. And he like is like, no, I know what I'm doing. And he goes to get Georgina jeans. And we're not quite sure what his larger plan is, but he's very sure that this is the thing to do. Then uh, Andrew Rannells comes and he's like, I have an interview at Morgan Stanley. Uh, his name is Blair. And he's invented this trading algorithm that is like the talk of the town. And a bunch of different places want to hire him. And then there's a really fun reference to mobile phones and him uh, perhaps getting a mobile phone. So then Don Cheadle goes to see the Lehman Brothers. It's uh, played as a two-hander from Ken Marino playing both twins, Larry and Lenny. They are portrayed as incestuous. They do uh, talk about how that was just a rumor. And um, Mal said the one person playing twins is too uncanny valley and they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I, I don't really like this character, but the performance is truly something to behold. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so when he goes in to talk to them, this is our, our first time seeing him go in to talk to the Lehman Brothers. Um, how do you think Mo is behaving in that situation against these two like storied white guys? Um, Mo is definitely giving the Lehman Brothers the business. Uh, he is talking down to them. He's very condescending. Um, he continually razzes them, making jokes about them you know, being in this incestuous relationship together. And the Lehman Brothers sort of just take it. Yeah. Um, they don't really fight it. They continue to speak to him. They end up walking away from this conversation with a deal, mm -hmm. which I was really surprised by initially watching it. I was just like, wow, I, I can't imagine a world like, you know, this would be like 30 years later. I, I can't imagine a world where I talk to like old, like white, hedge fund people like that so that it was pretty i really enjoyed like watching him just you know come in there and just give them shit managing my finances is incredibly stressful and time consuming i'm sure you guys know you've been with me on this journey you know how many finance apps i've tried you know how much they haven't worked for me and i'm always on the hunt for a finance app that fits my life and then i tried monarch it is so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I really value an app that allows me to do all of this without confusion. And especially important to me is intuitive design and the ability to personalize because clearly finance is not one size fits all. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Have you been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, rarely updated? So was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful and ad-free and constantly improving based on customer feedback. 
Experience a personal finance app that prioritizes the user experience above all else. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Plus, there's ad-free privacy you can trust. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash bad money for your extended 30-day free trial. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa Credit Cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Yeah, in some ways the show is escapism. Like it's this thing where you're, you're rooting for him in a way and you, he walks in and he says everything that you've ever wanted to say to these people. And um, then when they walk out with a deal, I too was like, oh, so we're, we're supposed to believe that Don Cheadle is a genius. And we're like on board with that. We're like, he's a genius. He's some sort of genius. They play with that throughout the pilot. They fluctuates back and forth between if you perceive him as being in control or if you perceive him as being out of control. And I think Mo's character, Don Cheadle's character Mo, I don't think that he even knows ah, if he has everything or not. That's really good insight, yeah. I think that's a question that he himself is struggling with. Yeah. So then he, one of the best scenes, he goes to the trading room floor and he and Andrew Rannells accidentally bump into each other. And all the cocaine goes over all of all over both of them. And there's this big scene where they meet and then Mo is like get basically makes a big thing out of getting Andrew Rannells blacklisted. He had just told his wife or his girlfriend 
buy whatever you want. I got a million offers from uh, different uh, firms. And I have this mobile phone, which is a huge brick, which is a very funny sight gag. And he's like, everything's going amazing. And then he bumps into Don Cheadle and the coke goes everywhere. And everyone on the floor sides with Don Cheadle and is like, this guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Don Cheadle walks around and starts saying, if anyone hires this guy, I'm going to be on the other side of every trade you make and I'm going to ruin your lives. He also has a line that I laughed so hard at, even though it's horrible, which is, I will kill you, then I will fuck your wife, then I will fuck your kids based on gender, age, and looks. And let's be honest, it's going to be looks. <laughs> he also mocks Blair's name. Um, he calls him Rachel like a, from the Bar Mitzvah. God, I don't know. Rachel from the Bar Mitzvah. Yeah, I knew it was something like sexist and Jewish. Yep. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's quite a moment and I think like this for me like really solidified like yeah I don't really I'm not rooting for Mo um I'm kind of like watching this show to see like to watch these horrible people tear each other apart (laughs) and I hope Regina Hall comes out on top looking beautiful as she always does (laughs) what did you make of everyone on the floor siding with Mo. Um, I I thought that made sense. I mean, Mo is perceived as this man with power. He's, you know, in the up to this point we're seeing characters holding newspapers where he's on the front page, beautiful photo of him. Um, so he's someone that's definitely seen by his peer group as a power broker. Um, it makes sense for them to side with him. And he also goes out, goes as far to say he's willing to spend a million dollars um, making sure that no one hires Blair. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I interpreted that to mean that he would, you know, essentially like pay people not to mm-hmm. hire him up to a million dollars. The New York Stock Exchange in the 1980s, this is a place that is an environment of competitiveness. It's an environment where cash is king. This is a powerful man offering you money. Of, of course, they would do what he wants. And new people are disposable. Whatever. Yes, and new people are disposable. They're just, it's just another competition. This is the hotshot kid with an algorithm. And if Mo is saying this is someone that like no one should hire, okay, that's better for me and my business. And I can make money off of it, of course. And later on, Regina Hall does bring up, Dawn says, how did you know that they wouldn't arrest you as a black man with cocaine on the floor? And I'm not going to spoil it, but, you know, walking around on the the, uh, trading room floor where if you are caught with drugs, it's a two-year ban the confidence of knowing oh i they're not gonna arrest me so she does call that into question which is something that my partner said immediately then there's a so andrew randall's is banned he goes home he is uh greeted by his girlfriend played by casey williams they have some unhinged mommy bdsm uh where she convinces him yeah. to go back and fight for his job um unhinged mommy bdsm that's exactly what yeah it is. and she convinces <laughs> him to go back and fight for his job i will note that she is wearing the most 80s denim jacket i've ever seen it's truly incredible then like you said Mo lets Dawn know about what's been going on with Georgina Jeans, and she says, you're risking everything. And he says, that's the best part. Yeah, he he even, this is like such a timely reference at this point. When he goes back for the second conversation, 
she's good god what are you Mm -hmm. doing like i knew this was a bad idea when you were proposing it what you're what you are executing is even worse 36 Um, million dollars is what he needs to buy it right right and they do not have the money she says to him we don't we can't afford that what are you doing and he says to her he compares it to top gun (laughs) which had just come out um in this world. So Mo compares what he's doing to Top Gun, likening himself to Maverick, which is, of course, Tom Cruise's character in both of these films. Um, Maverick, just quick <laughs> side rant here, is basically known for being a really reckless pilot, and he even gets his partner killed in a training exercise in the original Top Gun. So this is this is a man that like you definitely don't want to be leading your business. Yeah. And Regina agrees with that sentiment and says back to Mo, Top Gun was a bad movie of white boys trying to butt fuck each other in the sky and Goose would be alive if Maverick wasn't so reckless, which really sums up both Top Gun movies, um, if you think about it. It also sums up like white guys in movies, right? Where like it's sort of this similar thing yes. to like people seeing Wolf of Wall Street and being like, I want to be like Jordan Belfort or seeing um, Wall Street and saying, I want to be like Michael Douglas or seeing Wall Street 2 and saying, I want to be like, Sh-. I'm just kidding. Nobody said that. But I just I just mean <laughs> that like um, he's not even getting it. Like he as this black man is like saying, I want to be like these reckless white guys. I want to be, you know, this Wall Street, whatever. And she's the only one that can kind of point out like these are all examples of people who have messed up. They leave uh, uh, trails of tragedy and financial ruin in their wake. This is not aspirational. And so, exactly. but I just thought it was so interesting that he was like, that's the best part, that he's like running off the high. And he goes around yes. and he tries to get money from all these dangerous people, which we see he he's able to like, you know, finagle the this $36 million from uh, terrible, dangerous people who, if they don't get it back, will probably kill him. Yeah, it looked like he was meeting with some like Yakuza or something. There was some kind of like martial art battle going on. Yeah. Uh, saw some triangles. I don't know what that was. Yeah. Sketchy generic. People. <laughs> the 80s loves generic Asian kung fu something. Then um, Andrew Rannells comes back and he's like, I demand my job. And what do you make of his monologue? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was pretty much what Mo said to him but filtered through Blair's character. It was sort of like watching what we had just seen with the Lehman Brothers, but reversed. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, I really felt for Blair in this moment. Without spoiling too much, things happen in the season to sort of change my opinion about Blair. But at this moment, I felt he was, you know, throughout the pilot, he's this very genuine guy. He's coming in bright eyed, bushy tailed, just trying to do things the right way. Mm-hmm. Very ethical, and very involved in very yes. justice oriented, very like this is the right thing to do. This is the wrong thing to do. Very ethical. Exactly. Which, Which is so rare for someone on Wall Street. And in TV, in you know, it's got to get ruined. Yeah, exactly. So this this part, I, I truly felt for Blair, and I felt really sorry for the guy. I mean, do you think um, someone can, I mean, not even related to, you know, Blair's arc, but someone that pure at that time, I mean, do you think that someone like that could be in Wall Street then or be in Wall Street now? Absolutely not. Why? I, I think they're ethical people. The friends that I have that work in this sector, they, they possess that like shark-like quality that I think is really prized by so many firms. 
and that what is sort of exalted in media about the 1980s specifically when we're talking about Wall Street, um, but they behave in an ethical, within ethical boundaries, which I really respect because that's that's hard to do that in you your know industry. Of. And they, <laughs> right, that I know of. Um, and, and I do know that they, they don't always ha- have an easy time yeah. of working that way um, because working within those boundaries, you're not always number one. And when you're not always number one in that field, um, are you? you're basically a zero. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But they work really hard. These friends I have, they don't really have social right. lives. They just work from six o'clock in the morning until 11 o'clock at night. And they live in apartments on Wall Street mm-hmm. and they walk home and then they go back to work and do it all again the next day. And Blair, I just feel like he's just this nice guy who, you know, wants to have like the white picket fence with his wife. He just sort of wants to, you know, kick back and have an easy time of it. And that's just not what Wall Street was at that time, whether you were ethical or unethical. I think working in money, you have to have some compromise or you have to have, I think slowly over time, things start to get weird in like what you allow and it happens very slowly and I even felt that way sometimes working in journalism I felt like there would be times where someone would would push it a little like ethics wise and then you'd be like um uh, okay and then it would just like it was like such a slippery slope to you know like you had to hold yourself to this really intense standard because otherwise it was so easy to try to compete and get ahead and do all these very unethical things that end up becoming incredibly tabloid and possibly crimes mm-hmm. i think that's like a great thing to remember when you're behaving unethically is like you know not only is this you know hurting other people but ultimately it it will probably hurt you too. You're committing crimes and you see slowly that's part of the anxiety of the show because you know black monday is coming so you're seeing how these thing, little things start happening and then you're like, oh my God, this is this is affecting people's portfolios. This is, these are real people out there. This is, you know, it just starts to like move in a way that you're like, oh, you, you have the benefit of hindsight. So everyone just thinks they're doing their own little scam, but then everybody's doing a little scam. So then it becomes a big scam. And that's the Republican Party. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Well, okay, so so then <laughs> Andrew Rannells, uh, uh, Don Cheadle says, if you can use your algorithm to make 50, I'm going to put 50K in an account. If you double that by the end of the day, you have a job. He also says a funny thing where they're talking about a cocaine possession charge. And he says, everyone has a possession charge, which is hilarious. There's also a really dark part in the beginning where he's like, there's this new thing called crack. Crack for everyone. Incredibly yes, cracks dark. all around. Cracks all around. Incredibly dark. Incredibly dark. I did look into this to see if, um, you know, this like chronologically backed what was going on in the 80s and not quite. So kind of a note there. I don't believe in 1987 that they that um, crack had made its way fully to the East Coast. Crack moved very quickly um, once Freeway Rick Ross got a hold of it. So, but just a quick note or note to that writer's room. I, I don't think you're historically accurate on the crack. It's a great joke, but I believe crack didn't hit the East Coast until 1988. Oh, right when I was born. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. 
So, because you've mentioned him a couple times, who is Gary Webb and what, what is his reporting? Oh my gosh. Gary Webb is a local um, Los Angeles born and raised um, area journalist who uncovered the uh, CIA scheme to traffic cocaine into South Los Angeles, predominantly black area at the time, and essentially created the crack epidemic, which affected predominantly low-income black people across the United States and really led to the war on drugs, which we are still, you know, in the midst of today. This is a policy that has locked up um, hundreds of thousands of people, and we are still very much feeling the effects of it today. And what years was this happening? This happened in the 1980s, and it's a really wild story. Um, The CIA wanted to fund guerrilla warfare against the um, socialist leader, newly elected socialist leader of Nicaragua. Um, The CIA felt that um, having socialism in Central America would be really bad for good old American capitalism. So what they decided to do was to sell cocaine in black communities, teach dealers in these communities how to make crack, which is a much different drug than cocaine it's much more highly addictive it um, does a lot different things to your brain chemistry Um, and the CIA sold the cocaine to Freeway Rick Ross he is responsible for teaching the communities of the United States to you know make and distribute crack cocaine but Freeway Rick wouldn't have done all of that without the explicit assistance of the CIA And it was with the help of the government that we got the crack epidemic. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That's incredible. If so, if everyone wants to check out Gary Webb, Google it, find, he's written probably multiple books. Code of Silence. Code of Silence. Um, he wrote about this um, in the 90s, I believe, and everyone sort of said, oh, you're crazy. You're making this all up. It ruined Girl, his career. Girl, the amount of times um, that I've been like, when, <laughs> when someone comes on the show and goes, well, this is a conspiracy theory, and I go... It's not. <laughs> it, but people believed that Gary Webb's reporting was a conspiracy up until early 2000s. Yeah, he um, he ended up killing himself <gasps> because of his life being ruined. I mean, so that's that's kind of the background on on which all of this is happening. I mean, this is happening like around the same time. People are. Yes. So it's interesting to see the 80s portrayed as either like white people with AIDS or white people on Wall Street. And that's it. <laughs> And you can head over to FX for Snowfall if you want to see a scripted interpretation of um, the story of Freeway Rick, um, Gary Webb, all of these characters that I'm talking about in some sort of fictionalized reality. Um, So I want to get to the twist of Black Monday, which is Mo gives Blair a job, also mentions wanting his tie pin which then makes me very nervous because I'm tracking this tie pin to be like, who kills themselves? And then there's a reveal that made me 
gasp. We, he tells Andrew Rannells, go home and propose to your girlfriend right now. Like, you you deserve happiness, whatever. Turns out, the girlfriend is Tiff Georgina. And I was like, her jean jacket was a clue. She is the daughter of the Georgina Fortune. And he wants Andrew Rannells to propose and marry her so that someone at the Jammer Group has a membership in the family because the Lehman Brothers make a mockery of him and say, you you think that you got this over on us, but actually what happened is, and can you explain what why he screwed up? Yeah, so <laughs> Mo, when he goes back to the Lehman Brothers after rousing this $36 million from these shady mm-hmm. characters, he's celebrating, he's like, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be rich. The, the Georgina play is to become a majority shareholder in Georgina jeans, and because they still manufacture in New York... The land that these manufacturing plants sit on is worth way more than the company, right? Prime real estate in New York City. So the play is to take over the majority shares and sell the land Mm -hmm. and make millions. So this is what Mo is planning to do. This is what he thinks he can pull off. This is what Don Regina Hall is saying. Look, dude, you're way out of your element. So he goes to the Lehmans and he's just sort of, you know, smiling in their faces saying, you know, I've screwed you over. I'm now the majority shareholder. I am now going to be, you know, I can now do the Georgina play. And the Lehmans are like, ah, 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 not so fast. Other people Georgina have tried family, to do this before. Other, yeah. Other people have tried tried and failed, been driven into madness and suicide for trying to do this. The Georgina family will never sell. Uh, you are now left with this white whale of a stock that, you know, we've valued so high, but is really worth nothing, which just sort of sums up the stock market uh, in one fail swoop right there. And they say basically, you know, good Mm -hmm. luck trying to unload this because everyone knows that this will never succeed. Unless you are a Um, member of the Georgina family, you cannot do anything with this land or this stock. Exactly. So he's humiliated. So we think. And then we realize that he... uh, he knows that Andrew Rannells is the boyfriend of Tiff Georgina. That's why he says, propose to her right now. So I'm like, wow, that's so interesting that he found out that out. Second twist is that the coke, dropping the coke on Andrew Rannells and running into him on the floor was also a setup. He opened the cocaine in his suit. He knew exactly who Andrew Reynolds was, which he pretended he didn't. He runs smack into him. He make he wants to make sure that that Andrew Reynolds doesn't get hired anywhere else, that Blair has to work for the Jammer Group. And it was all this huge setup. You think he's defeated, then you see he's not defeated, then you think he's defeated, then you see that he actually orchestrated this entire thing. I gasped at both reveals. I watched this when it premiered in 2019. So initially, yes, I was very surprised. Watching it back, um, you know, a few years later and then watching it back multiple times, (laughs) I was able to catch, like, some things that, like, alluded to this happening, which I think is, like, pretty common for people when they rewatch things. Like what? So the jacket was, like, a huge giveaway for me when when Mo is sort of looking through the Georgina stuff when he goes to the office the first time and he's talking to Dawn they look at some Georgina patterns and it's the same one that's on her jacket so if someone is watching that with a 
real big magnifying glass. Like you could have probably caught that when you initially see her. Um, but I think they showed us them living in and, a shit apartment to throw us off. They, then you wouldn't think she's an heiress. Yes, 100%. Yeah. 100%. But I do know a lot of rich girls that love to cosplay poverty, You know what? That so is a good point. That also tracks. <laughs> Maybe she... I, then I was like, of course. she's. They're trying to make it on their own and... Like, not rely on the parents. And he keeps saying that he doesn't want to, like, work for her dad. And I'm like, oh, I could have caught that. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. And then it was that thing that we said that, you know, you're wondering who is the smartest person in the room. And I think that's true for Wall Street then and today and in real life. Who is actually the smartest person in the room? Are Is anyone actually smart or are they just trying to out-game each other, out-cutthroat each other? Um, and who who is getting shafted and it's like the people that are not on wall street or like who this is all a yeah. game to them and we what are we exactly just pawns mm -hmm. in the in the game that's the thing about watching this series i i think like i hope the culture has advanced some and in the later seasons of black monday you sort of see that change um you know coming about one of the characters expresses that he's uncomfortable with you know, some of the sexist jokes that are being told, the racism that is so casual in the office. So you do start to see like the beginning of that change in Black Monday. I hope that it's advanced uh, beyond what we are seeing on the screen for what was happening in 1987 as someone that has worked in, you know, big corporations in my own time. Like, I know that that stuff still happens. Mm. I hope that it is not as explicit as it was in the 80s. I have experienced my fair share of, you know, racism, homophobia in the workplace, but it was nowhere near um, my boss telling me, like, the shade of his penis when he is erect. Um, <laughs> Which Mo just, does uh... do. He uses the word Aubergine, <laughs> I believe. Yes. Uh, that is just way... I mean, it's all out of bounds, but that is that is horrifying. Yeah. What's your opinion now on the ways in which the financial systems are run or the ways in which the like Wall Street or any of this stuff that you've seen, you know, even just from financial reporting, but also just like as like a reporter now or as even I don't know what your like personal financial situation is, but does it all just seem like incredibly bleak and out of reach? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, personally, I don't like engage with the stock market much. And like everything I read about it is like, oh, this is volatile and terrible and people are losing money and being exploited. This girl on TikTok who's like, my mother is never wrong. And she says in 90 days, the stock market will crash again. And then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably the one thing about Black Monday that I learned, um, you know, doing research for this conversation that we're having is that Black Monday. And we sort of talked about this at the top. It revealed increased market volatility because of this, you know, mass buying and selling that was occurring thanks to auto trading mm -hmm. we have leaned in to yeah. auto trading so it doesn't really seem like wall street has learned its lesson and we saw sort of a mini repeat of black monday in 2010 called the flash crash where it wasn't quite a big of a drop as you know between 20 and 29 percent but 10 percent um in just a few minutes that Love was that huge. We them fun um, names. And I do remember that. Fun names. <laughs> they are fun names. Flash Crash, Black Monday. Sounds like party is at some sort of club. Yeah. Come on um, down to Flash <laughs> Crash at Rocco's West Hollywood. Like, she's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Um, there there have been stop gaps put in place, like price bans, but like we still see this kind of volatility all the time. Like most recently in 2020, we saw this exact same thing happening again in March as, you know, jobless rates skyrocketed to the highest rates that we've seen since the Great Depression. Lesson very much not learned for Wall Street. And some countries' financial systems are still reeling New Zealand. from this event New in the Zealand 1980s. New Zealand did not rebound yes. from this nearly enough, it, it turns out, from my reading. Yes. So my opinion is that this just seems like a place that is, you know, accountability is frowned upon and, you know, lying is prized. Yeah. If exploitation is seen as, you know, a value. It's not really... And no one learns a lesson. It's not really something that I want to engage with. Thank you for sharing about Gary Webb, too. I really appreciate that. Um, where can people find you and follow you? Because your work is also incredible. It's not a Courage Award for nothing, guys. It's uh, <laughs> Cerise is like just an icon, a living legend, the moment. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's that's very high praise. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Cerise Castle. I'm also on Instagram at Your Majesty. Check out my reporting. As I mentioned at the top, I have a podcast coming out in October of this year that is all about uh, gangs inside of police departments. Google LASD is, gangs. Uh, Google it. Visit my website. Um, read all about deputy gangs in the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. It's um, it's a really fascinating and horrific topic. Um, the financial tie-in there is that these deputy gangs have cost taxpayers in Los Angeles County over $100 million in the past 30 years, and that is based just on 19 people that they killed on settlements. Um, they've killed a lot more people than that, so the real amount is probably a lot higher, um, but essentially what we have in Los Angeles County is a taxpayer-funded uh, system to make people go away when their family members are murdered by police officers. Um there's a lot to talk yeah. about there. Just look into Cerise's reporting. It's incredible. And awful. Incredible Thank in you. a in a way that means incredulous. <laughs> Illuminating incredibly mm. awful things. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. Done. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.